Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to episode 151 of Unabridged. Today, we're discussing Cozy Reads. Before we get started today, we just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate everyone who rates, reviews, and subscribes. And we especially appreciate the reviews on Apple Podcasts. One of our favorites recently is from Two Priscilla's in a Bookstagram. If you look them up on Instagram, they have a great account, and this is what they said. I love this podcast. It's set up nicely with my favorite part being a weekly check-in on what the cast is reading with short synopsis. They all have different genre tastes, so you get to hear a little about everything. They also have a monthly book club, which I've decided to join this month. Love these ladies. They're so much fun. So that just makes our hearts warm, and we just want you all to know how much we appreciate you as listeners, and we love hearing feedback, and especially those kinds of things. It's so nice to know that you love the bookish check-in, and that that is a fun part for you, because when we try those things out, you know, we, we sometimes are putting it out into the void and don't know, so we love that so much. So thanks again to everybody who's doing that, and again, if you're looking for a way to support, we really appreciate reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. So let's get started with our bookish check-in, ladies. Sarah, what are you reading? Well, this is a book that Jen talked about in her in a bookish check-in a while back. And when she was talking about it, I was like, I'm definitely going to read that one. <laughs> so this is Jennifer Weiner's Big Summer. And I am, I'm not too far into it, but I'm loving it so far. I love the main character. She is a delight. And I, it actually reminded me of a bit of One to Watch, which is a book that I read a while back. The two main characters really remind me of one another. And anyway, so it, it I'm just at the beginning, but I really like she's a fashionista. And I really, and if you've listened before, you know, I really liked, especially when I was growing up, like, like, to keep up with fashion. So I really like the descriptions of the clothing, but I do think that we are getting ready to start into a mystery, which I also appreciate. And I'm just really enjoying it. It's kind of like, I'm trying to get in a summer read here in <laughs> October, November season. So I am, I'm really enjoying it. And that is Jennifer Weiner's Big Summer. That sounds great. I have wanted to read that one too. And like you, Sarah, it was like, well, summer has passed (laughs) (laughs) and it has been waiting this whole time. So at this point I may dive in or I may just wait until next summer, which (laughs) is also an option, but yeah, that sounds like a great one. Glad you're enjoying it. What about you, Jen? So I just started Rahman Alam's Leave the World Behind. I mean, just started. I'm 10 pages in, literally. But this is one I've seen all over Bookstagram. It's on the shortlist for the National Book Award. And what I've read has made me really intrigued by the plot. So because I'm so close to the beginning, I'm just going to read a little bit of the summary on the inside of the book jacket. Amanda and Clay head out to a remote corner of Long Island expecting a vacation, a quiet reprieve from life in New York City, quality time with their teenage son and daughter, and a taste of the good life in the luxurious home they've rented for the week. But with a late night knock on the door, the spell is broken. 
Ruth and G.H., an older couple who claim to own the home, have arrived there in a panic. These strangers say that a sudden blackout has swept New York and, with nowhere else to turn, they've come to the country in search of shelter. And I won't even read all of the book jacket because sometimes I think they give too much away. But yeah, I've I've read nothing but good reviews. Alam is a great writer. And so thus far, he has done a great job describing the characters, but there's this like impending sense of dread that is just partly because of the description, but also just in the way he's written these opening descriptions, there's very much this, well, this is what they wanted, but sort of criticizing the way they look at the world. I don't know. Anyway, I'm very intrigued so far. That gave, that's giving me us vibes. If you've watched that uh-huh. movie, that is, and I was like, I watched that whole movie through like slits in my fingers. You know, I had it over my face and like had a little, I was peeking out, but that movie was great. And that, yeah. and it, but it gave me, it get, that description gave me those vibes. So I'm, I actually have that as an audiobook. So I'm hoping oh, to read that good. soon. Yeah, man, that sounds great. And also disturbing. And it reminds me a little bit, and maybe it's unrelated, but it reminds me of Neil Schusterman's Dry. Oh, yeah. Just in that idea of trying to get away when there's something that's happened. And And I have heard it called speculative fiction. So it was Book Riot was talking about it on one of their podcasts, and they said, it's okay if you don't like science fiction, but it does have that edge of something that maybe hasn't happened, but very much could. So mm-hmm. anyway, so what are you reading, Ashley? So I actually just finished this one last night, but wanted to share it because I have really enjoyed it. And like you, Jen, I have started something new, but I am so early on. I don't have much <laughs> to say yet. So this is Karina Jan Glossers, The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street. And I absolutely loved this book. So I love the family. There are five children and They are pretty wide ranging in age and they have a great relationship with each other and their parents, but they're each very different kids. And so it's just a really fun story, but it's also really sweet because it's them uniting together. They have been told that they're going to have to leave their apartment at the end of this year and it's right before Christmas. So it's really a very short turnaround time. And it's basically that their lease runs out at the end of the year and that the landlord has told them that they're going to have to leave instead of continuing the lease. And so they find that out really quickly or have a very short amount of time to do something about it. And they have been there their whole lives. And so they're really distraught, but they also are resilient. And so I just think it's a really great story. And I will probably share that one. It was a lot of fun reading for holidays. So I may talk about that when we talk about holiday reads for December, because it was definitely, I didn't realize that about the book, but it is seasonally appropriate for the holidays because it all takes place right around Christmas and the new year. But yeah, very sweet story. I will definitely be continuing those books with the Vanderbeekers. And I also love it. I look forward to when my girls are a little bit older reading it with them because it's it's the kind of story that models a lot of the things that we hope for in family relationships and in relationships between siblings and also is just a fun story and engaging and a lot of things are happening. 
And actually I posted on Instagram and somebody was telling me that she really enjoyed reading it with her children. And she also loved it because of the vocabulary, which I hadn't, you know, reading it for myself, I hadn't really noticed that. But then when she pointed it out, I could see how it lends itself to great discussion because the plot line is very approachable, but it does have nice vocabulary and syntax and things that could be useful in read alouds. So again, that's Karina Jan Glosser's The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street. And I thought it was great. I have that first book on my Kindle and have not read it yet. So that makes me want to pick it up right now. Yes, I think it's great. Like I said, seasonally appropriate also as we get into the winter because it's really nice for, for the holiday season, I think. But yeah, great read. Okay, so we're going to move into our recommendations today for cozy reads. We have been, as it's gotten cooler outside and leaves are changing, we were thinking about books that we enjoy reading during this season and find We talked before we started recording, we talked a little bit about comfort reading versus cozy (laughs) reading and maybe what the differences are. And maybe there aren't a lot of differences. We're not sure. But I think that we each have some recommendations of things that we find would be nice and cozy to read maybe by the fireside with your blanket in the winter season. So, So Jen, what's your recommendation? All right. So I had some trouble with this category because this is where that conversation came in because I realized I do a lot of comfort reading, which to me is reading that I know is going to have a happy ending, but along the way it can have a lot of angst and it can have a lot of steam. I do a lot of romance reading as comfort reading, but I don't do a lot of cozy reading. So I will say this is a little bit of a challenge. I was scrolling back down through my Goodreads for a while before I hit on this is actually a series I'm going to recommend. So I suppose it's sort of cheating, but I also think there's something in a series that is cozy and just getting to know characters. Actually, a lot of the choices I was considering are things that happen in small towns and in book after bit book, you're coming back to the same characters. There's something in that that feels very cozy. So what I am recommending is Alan Bradley's Flavia Deleuze series. And this is a mystery series. The protagonist is an 11-year-old British girl. So Flavia lives with her family in this broken down English manor house, I guess. They are impoverished at this point. So it's sort of land rich. And the home belonged to her mother's family. Her mother died 10 years before when Flavia was a baby. So she lives there with her dad who fought in the war and definitely has some PTSD and her two older sisters who are also brilliant, but in different ways. So one of them is very dramatic and loves the theater and literature. And one of them is a virtuoso pianist. And then there's Flavia, who again is obsessed with chemistry and with poison and is just constantly brewing up new things in her uncle's chemistry lab. So he was a famous chemist and she has inherited everything he left behind. And so she's like this little mad scientist kind of with this great, I, I love the audiobooks and with this great British accent. And so she lives in this small town and there just happens to be a lot of murder there. And so Flavia gets pulled into investigating each of these murders. She fights all the time with her older sisters 
And so she's always battling them to be able to sneak out of the house and go investigate a murder. And they're always trying to, you know, stop her. And she plays pranks on her older sisters. Like she'll put some kind of poison in their lipstick to see what happens. (laughs) And of course they get angry, (laughs) which sounds horrifying, but somehow it is really funny. And, oh, and the family has a servant named Dogger who fought with her father in the war and definitely suffers from PTSD. He has a lot of flashbacks. And so her family has basically taken him in so that he has a place to go. And he does help. And he's really a father figure for Flavia. She has a bicycle that she rides around town that has a name and she talks to her bike. I mean, it is just, it is written for adults. So I don't think this is a book for kids, but it has that great thing in books where there's a strong child narrator who is wise enough to know a lot of things, but it still has not quite figured out the world and the way people react to her. And again, there are 10 books now, I think. And you see these characters come back in. So you get to know the local priest and you get to know the local police detective who is of course frustrated by this little 11 year old who is always inserting herself into these cases he's trying to investigate. And yeah, so I think that the Flavia Deleuze series is just a perfect cozy read. And again, there is one audiobook narrator, Jane Entwistle, who does the whole series and she is fabulous. She does voices for the different characters and just emphasizes the things about the narrative voice that I really love. So that is Alan Bradley's Flavia Deleuze series. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Like I just want to go get it right now. Sarah, I think you would really, you you recommended Louise Penny to me a while back and Mm -hmm. it's different of course, because this has a child, but there's something in that there, there's something in that that's similar. I think you would really like well, it. it. It definitely reminded me of that. And it, when you said that they live in a small town that just happens to have a lot of murder. <laughs> when I read Louise, Louise Penny, I'm always like, I really want to go to Three Pines. And I'm like, but why? Because <laughs> there's all this murder happening. But yes. it sounds really great. So, yeah, they're really <laughs> They're really, Not the murder. Really the murder no. isn't okay. But, but the somehow, yeah, well, they just have this great wry sense of humor. And yeah. she's very self-congratulatory. She is fully aware of how brilliant she is. And she'll be like, well, and I just figured that out right away. I don't even know. I can't even <laughs> imitate it. But it's just this, yeah, the, the voice is definitely the star of those books. So. That sounds great. And also the child sounds a bit like my child. So I won't get into the details here, but maybe <laughs> I would appreciate that perspective on a kid that is not so different from my own. Because people are always saying, these traits are going to be so great for her. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, they are. And meanwhile, she is a mini mastermind who is somehow <laughs> trying to run all things in her space at all times. So mm-hmm. there's a bit of that. Yes, there is some similarity there. (laughs) And it also reminded me, Jen, maybe this isn't true, but it made me think of Frederick Bachman's My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry. I'm the narrator of that book. And I Mm -hmm. appreciated that so much. And like you said, definitely written for adults, but the narrator's a child Mm -hmm. and sounds like she has some similarities. I really enjoyed that narration. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. Uh, What about you, Sarah? What's your recommendation? 
So I'm going to stay on brand for this season because <laughs> I feel like every single episode we've recorded lately, I've been like, let's talk about the holidays. But <laughs> I do think that <laughs> I do think a lot of books that are written for the holiday season have that cozy feel because of, you know, like fireplaces and like sitting in a cabin and all that. So I enjoy holiday books, holiday themed books, and I have read a lot of them. And I, and like this, in this season, I am, I already started in like the beginning of October reading holiday books. So I'm going to recommend one that I read a couple years ago. It's called The White Christmas Inn. And I also, am unapologetically a fan of Hallmark Christmas movies or and holiday movies. I like all of that. So this kind of reads like a nice, comfortable Hallmark movie. Um, it is, it does have conflict, but you know, it has a happy ending. And I just find that when I need something cozy that I just want to snuggle down and read that I like reading these type of books. So the White Christmas Inn is by Colleen Wright. Um, it's set in a New England inn that's like in the middle of nowhere. There's a snowstorm. And then this kind of cast of characters come to this inn. The inn has been the staple in the area where it's located. However, they've come up upon some harsh financial times and they think it's the last year that the, the inn is going to be open. So that is the innkeepers in the book, Jean and Tom, they are kind of struggling with that. And then all of the people that come and stay at the, the inn during the season have their own set of conflicts. So there's all kinds of things that happen and there's a huge snowstorm so nobody can leave and, you know, hijinks ensue. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, it's just really lovely. And what I really like about it is I... I'm all about like a cabin in the woods and a fireplace and like the stockings hung and everybody just being together. And so that's what happens in the book, you know, because they're snowed in and it's just easy there. There's some conflict, but it's re resolved fairly quickly. It's a slim book and reading holiday just gives me all the cozy vibes and I need all the coziness that I can have right now. So mm -hmm. that is The White Christmas Inn by Colleen Wright. That sounds great, Sarah. It does. I was going to say there's something about being forced to stay in a place together that yeah. definitely gives me those cozy vibes because yes. you have to work things out. And of course, I'm sure that there are fights and conflicts and whatever. But yeah, you've got to work through it because you're there. Yeah. And I mean, and there's also some romance, but it's like very G rated. <laughs> and I, I just liked it. Yeah. It is like a great symbol of coziness. <laughs> that sounds great, man. What have you, what about you, Ashley? What is your cozy read? So like Jen, I was kind of torn. I feel like I've read several things lately that I definitely got a warm sense from. And so in that regard, I think that there are a lot of books that come to mind. But the one that really started me on that pathway with audiobooks is the one I'm ultimately going to recommend because it made me realize when I was listening to the audio that it was really enjoyable for me to listen to a story 
that made me feel really happy. And so that was something that was nice to realize. And I've, re- I've listened to some others lately that I enjoyed that audio experience as well. In fact, the one we I talked about for speculative fiction that was horror, I listened to on audio. And so that is a very different end of the <laughs> spectrum. And I really enjoyed the listening experience on that as well. So I do think, and I'm, I'm listening to The Death of Vivek Aji also, and that's a great audio book and, and not light and, you know, not light and cozy. But so I don't think it has to be that. But I did notice that I was more drawn to go back to the audio because I think that's the thing with audio is you're always in and out of it more than you are in some ways with a print book. And so it is it's helpful if it's the kind of book that draws you back in. So the one I wanted to recommend is Alexis Hall's Boyfriend Material. And I listened to this on Libro FM. It was one of the ALC books. And I just absolutely loved it. The narrator was great. Joe Jameson is the narrator who does the book. And I will definitely be looking for others narrated by him because I just thought the audio narration was phenomenal. And what I really loved about the story is that people are working through a lot of things and yet they're trying so hard to work things out for each other. And so there's really great friendship groups in the book and there's a lot of effort to work through the complexities of being human and of relationships. So this one's about Luke O'Donnell and he is he is his parents he's a strange his dad is estranged from him and his he has a good relationship with his mom but both of his parents were rock stars and so he has this tangential relationship to fame and it's all the bad parts and none of the good parts and so he is always kind of being watched and and he feels as if every time he makes any kind of slip up it's all over the press even though again he doesn't really have his own reason to be famous and so it's just this it's just the paparazzi part basically and i i liked that also in the book the commentary about how negative that can be. And I think a lot of people can relate to that now with the role of social media, that even if you are not famous, it's this feeling of somebody's watching to see you make a mistake. Is is There's definitely that feeling in the book. And so I love that. So anyway, in the beginning, there's an incident that causes him to get the public eye again. And then he's trying to repair that damage by making his life seem more stable. And so that leads to a fake relationship, which I've noticed is a trope in romance that I, <laughs> that I do really enjoy. Um, and so it, he needs somebody to play the part of a boyfriend so that he can show that he's more stable because he works for a nonprofit. And this part is awesome. Also, like the, the book is hilarious too. There's just, it's really funny. So he works for a nonprofit that is working to preserve dung beetles <laughs> And it's just really funny because they are very important to the ecosystem. And yet dung beetles are not exactly a glorious or cute (laughs) animal. (laughs) And so it's that kind of thing throughout the book that's just really funny. And, And so the work he's doing is important. He does care about it. And also it's hard to take yourself seriously when your entire existence revolves around raising money to protect dung beetles. (laughs) But nonetheless, he does have to care a lot about big donors, some of whom are very conservative and judgmental, he feels. And so that leads to this like needing to set up this appearance and basically his job's at stake because of 
this slip up. And so it leads to his friend group, which again, I love the friend groups in the book. His friend group helps him connect with Oliver Blackwood, who he knows and and strongly dislikes, but doesn't know very well. And so one of his very best friends is also good friends with Oliver and kind of sets them up to have a discussion about this arrangement. And it does serve Oliver as well. He is looking to show his family that he has a stable relationship and they have this event coming. So they've kind of agreed that for both of them, this is going to be beneficial to get some good press for Luke. And then also for Oliver, for Luke has agreed to go to this event with him so that he can kind of get through this family thing and put on a good show for how stable and secure his life is, essentially. And they are very different people. And so you can imagine the working through of that. There's a lot of banter. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that's really fun to read in the book. But then I think also, as I said in the beginning, that what I really love is it shows the hard work of a relationship and that you do really have to work at it. And I think that a lot of times books don't demonstrate that a whole lot. A lot of comfort books or romance books show the moments leading up to the couple being together, but not always the hard work of the relationship itself. And for a long time, they are in a fake relationship. So, you know, it does have that lead up in that sense, but it is, Luke is temperamental. He doesn't want to have to work through anything. He's got all this stuff going on with his estranged father that he does not want to have to deal with. So he is big on avoiding anything. And when stuff goes wrong. He blows up about it and then wants to avoid it. And I related to all of that. So, <laughs> so and I think, I think people, I mean, I think it's just a relatable book in the sense yeah. that he, his life, his internal life is messy. And you see that in the book in the way that a lot of people's lives are messy on the inside. And I just think it does a really nice job of that Hall, Alexis Hall does a nice job of showing that and showing how messy is okay. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot about that in the book too. So I don't want to spoil anything. So I'll leave it at that. But I did think it was just a really phenomenal book. I loved everything about both Luke and Oliver and their relationship together. So again, that's Alexis Hall's boyfriend material. I loved it on audio. I think it would be great on print as well. Yeah, I just got that on sale. So I am excited to read it. I got it in print. So I'm excited to read it. But I do wonder, you were talking about liking the trope of the fake relationship. And I wonder if that's something you like about it is the fact that it is almost like after the happily ever after, even though it's not because they're having to work through all of that. So maybe that's why you like that trope. Yeah, could be, could be. And that is, that's the thing. It's like, it's, they can't really just walk away. And Mm -hmm. so there is that having to work through, I mean, it's kind of what you were talking about, Sarah, where they couldn't leave the space. And then because of that, they're having to work through everything. Same thing here that, you know, the stakes are pretty high for, especially for Luke. And so he is having to stay at it because he's got to work (laughs) through it to protect his job. So yeah. Protect the, dung, the dung beetles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to read that. Oh my goodness, it's so good. And like I said, a lot of books came to my mind, but I realized that that one opened up the doorway to some of the others that I've also enjoyed. So I think it's a good one. 
All right. Well, we wanted to end today with something that's consistent with the cozy vibes that we wanted to share with you. So we're going to end with a cozy comfort. What is one cozy comfort that you have? Jen, what about you? So I, year round, it doesn't matter what the temperature is, love soft, fluffy blankets. And we have them all over our house. I will say my boys have inherited my need to, anytime I'm sitting down almost, I have a soft, fluffy blanket over my lap. And it's funny because they have, my mom had found these Christmas ones on sale. One has sloths and one has puppies. And last, after last holiday was over, I started to pack them away and they pitched an absolute fit. So year round, we also have Christmas themed soft, fluffy blankets around our house, which came in handy when I read some holiday books and had no other Christmas background (laughs) other than the Christmas sloth blanket that you could see on our Instagram page. But um, (laughs) yeah, I just, there's something comforting about that. And it just makes that, that to me is okay. It's time to relax. It's time to sit down. It's, it's okay for me to just sit for a little bit. So yeah, I love a soft, fluffy blanket. I, that is something that I did not appreciate, but I have come to appreciate more. Although for me, with my little kids, they find them and make forts with them uh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. So every time, sometimes it's the middle of the night and I'm like, where is that extra blanket? I'm freezing. <laughs> Invariably, it is set up in a fort somewhere. So they also <laughs> have inherited the love, but with a very different purpose. But. Yes, <laughs> we, we have made some forts, but I will say sometimes the soft, fluffy ones are not the best makers of forts. So we're often raiding the sheet closet for those. I mean, and my boys are a little older, so we are not making quite as many forts as we used to. But that used to be, we always had sheets and old blankets and clothespins handy at any moment to build a fort. <laughs> That's then a great at some point, oh, We yeah. haven't done the sheets. We always do it with blankets. And you're right. Sometimes they're too heavy or they slide. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe Yeah, sheets work a little better. Yeah, we used to have them. And the tough part would be I'd want to let them leave them up so they could play. But after they had taken over my living room for several days, I was ready to have the fort down. (laughs) And then I felt like this horrible, mean mom. But I was like, okay, well, it's time to rebuild the fort somewhere else. Maybe we can relocate it to a bedroom or anyway. Yes, that that is all that struggle (laughs) happens here for sure. But yeah, good idea about sheets. What about you, Sarah? What's your cozy comfort? My cozy comfort is I love a hot drink and I... I I enjoy coffee, but I don't like to drink coffee in the nighttime, which is a lot of times when I am doing my reading. So I always like to curl up with Harney and Sons hot cinnamon spice tea. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like that is very on brand for my cozy read because (laughs) the hot cinnamon spice is kind of, it kind of smells like the holidays in a mug. It's just so, it's very strong. Like the cinnamon is really strong. And when I, whenever I make it, the kids are always like, Oh, what are you cooking? And I'm like, cause I think they think it's cinnamon rolls or something, but, but it's not, it's my hot cinnamon spice tea and it is delicious and it's so cozy and it just warms you up and I just love it. So that is my cozy comfort. What about you, Ashley? Uh, I I also love hot tea and I find a lot of comfort in that. I've been making it just now that it's gotten cooler. I've been making it more and we got a new teapot. We we actually boil water for coffee and everything. And 
can I just tell you that we have been talking about getting a new teapot? I'm not exaggerating for probably three to four years. <laughs> and we finally <laughs> got one and it's so nice. It does the different temperatures. So for the tea, it does the lower temperature. And it's just like those little things that can bring you up. So I was thinking in the realm of comfort, those kinds of things, that was a very small purchase, makes a big difference. Really like it for the tea. And I'm glad I did it. Very comforting. <laughs> Anyway, um, my choice for this year is a fire pit. We've never had one outside before, and we just realized with quarantine that we would be wanting to spend more time outside even once it's dark because we've really relied on that starting in March, that we spend a lot of time outside, and we were able to do that. But as the days were getting shorter, we were strategizing how to be able to still leverage that outside space, but in a way that would be comfortable for everybody. And so, yeah, the fire pit is a huge cozy comfort for me for sure. And we've only done it a couple of times so far, but it just is really fun and it helps you enjoy the season, I think. Yes, that sounds very nice. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Be sure to hit us up on social media and let us know what comfort reads you have and which ones you would recommend. We would love to know and add those to our list for this season. And as I said in the beginning, we really appreciate and love seeing their reviews on Apple podcasts. And so if you're looking for ways to support us, rating, reviewing, and subscribing is a huge help. So thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 